One of the issues for the Nashos is they're a forgotten part of Australia's war history. I mean, I had this obligation to attend training. If I failed to attend for whatever reason, I was likely to end up in jail. I was lucky enough to bounce back and have kids and with happy family life, but a lot of these guys never recovered. You're listening to The Men Australia Forgot, following the stories of Australia's last conscripts and their path to reparation. Yes, welcome back. The Men Australia Forgot. My name's Aidan Taylor. It is November the 10th, 2023, one day out from one of the most important days in the calendar, Remembrance Day, when we stop to commemorate our serving men and women, past and present, from all theatres. And this year's got extra significance in the sense that it marks 30 years since the unknown Australian soldier was interred at the Australian War Memorial in Canberra. And I'm sure that anyone who's been there will be familiar with it. It's a very moving space, a deeply spiritual one at that. And I wasn't fully aware of its backstory. So the body was recovered from Adelaide Cemetery near Villers Bretonneux in France, and it was transported to Australia. It laid in state in Old Parliament House before it was finally interred in the Hall of Memory on the 11th of November, 1993. And soil from the Poziers battlefield in France was also scattered in the tomb. So it's a very significant mark of our military history with the inscription reading, An Unknown Australian Soldier Killed in the War of 1914-1918. to So I thought that was worth mentioning ahead of Remembrance Day, the tomb of the unknown soldier turning 30 years old tomorrow. Now, as far as the Nashos are are concerned, well, they've got an action-packed weekend. Nasho Fergo members from all over Australia are taking over Campbelltown in Tasmania in the state's Midwest for a very special Remembrance Day weekend. And as far as I can tell, there's not a lot going on there. It's a bit of a sleepy town, population of about 823, used as a rest stop for people making the drive from Launceston to Hobart. So what's going on there? Well, someone who's right in the thick of it is Sapper Dennis Turner, the Secretary of Nasho Fair Go and the Association's North Tassie Organiser. Sapper Turner, welcome to the stage. Thanks very much, Aidan. That was a great lead-up, mate, to what the uh, Commemoration Day is all about. Yeah, so no, it's all been good, mate. We're getting very excited about Saturday. The important thing about our attendance at Campbelltown, a lot of the fellows that attended the First World War and other campaigns since, and certainly Nashos Fergo, came from the country. They had a rural background and they volunteered to go without hesitation. And that's why we felt it would be great to have our attendance at the Commemoration Day in Campbelltown, which is in our northern Midlands rural area. And that's what, that's what, that's what it's about. I was going to ask you that. So what's actually happening this weekend and why was Campbelltown the, the destination that Nasho Fergo is descending upon this weekend? Well, Aidan, the, uh, the Campbelltown, like a lot of the remote rural areas, have lost their RSL club. Oh. <clears throat> and Peter Evans, who you've spoken to, and a few of his mates, if you like, decided to form themselves into an ANZAC group because they felt it was very important ancestrally to ensure that we in, in, we uh, recognise ANZAC Day, uh, perhaps the Battle of Longtan, but mm. certainly Remembrance Day. So Pete and his group got together and I learnt of what they were doing. They don't normally get a big crowd there, 
And I spoke to Jeff Parks, our national president. I said, Jeff, I think we need to support these people. So in actual fact, Jeff is coming down. I pick him up from the airport on Saturday morning early. Yeah. And we travel to Campbelltown. And Jeff is going to be the guest speaker at the at the service. Um, I'll be giving, delivering the ode. And my southern counterpart, John Higgins, will be laying a wreath. So we're hoping that we can boost the numbers up to about 100. So, um, and I think it's quite significant, given the ancestry, certainly of Nasho's fair go, who were fellows that were conscripted um, with the threat if they failed to observe their responsibility, they mm. would go to jail. It's, mm. the only first, it's the first time it ever happened. So there's been an incredible groundswell of response to that, particularly from Tasmania. Oh, right. Um, and we're looking for a good day, Aidan. Yes, absolutely. So what has the response been then? Are you hearing from you know local MPs, um, just councillors? What's it been? Oh, yes, we've heard from local MPs. We, with the greatest respect, we're not necessarily going to identify who's there and who's not. They're going to be part of the group. A mm. very important part of Peter's uh, assembly is that everyone's on an equal platform. Right. Right? Now, when we finish the service and click down at the Bowls Club um, and those uh, politicians or whatever may be there, then they can circulate and they can do whatever. But most importantly, Jeff is going to be there giving you the address. Mm. Gary Bevan, who's the compensation uh, member now of the RSL Launceston Hub, who manages compensation claims, he's going to give and introduce himself. And so there's going to be a lot of opportunity for fellas there that are those National Service personnel mm. that are suffering. I mean, we're all in our mid-70s now, Aidan, um, and we're not entirely computer literate. Uh, literate and um, there's a difficulty in trying to contact DVA, yeah. uh, as we've all experienced, but with Gary and his uh, professionalism, that's a conduit now that we can get recognition for the ailments that we've got brought about by uh, our conscripted service. Yes. Now, Nasho's Fair Go, Aiden, aren't necessarily, they're National Service personnel, but they're necess- not necessarily went to Vietnam. Mm. But they had an obligation. It was a six-year obligation of which they had to serve in the military for that six-year period. So that, that's for the... Nasho's Fair Go fellows yeah. uh, from the country. That's from that's for the CMF side of it, isn't though? Isn't it though, Sapo? It's yeah, it, 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 it's it's gone into the CMF. But I'm a national service uh, person, yeah, because I joined a unit called Special Conditions CMF Remote Locality. I came from a remote locality. I couldn't attend the Tuesday nights, the one weekend a month, or the fortnight camp because I couldn't get away from what I was doing. Mm. So I was committed. So I had an obligation to perform and do my military training in one hit. Yeah. And I was attached to 22nd Battalion Royal Victoria Regiment, and I would go to Pakapanyal for a six-week period and do my perceive my obligation. Yeah. Now, if I failed to attend for whatever reason, I was likely to end up in jail. Mm. That's, that's, that's how it was treated in those days. And the Nashos Fair Go people that did not go to Vietnam were a ready force being trained to replace, if required, those fellows in Vietnam. We were trained, and if it had not been for Nasho's Fair Go personnel, there probably would not have been a battalion go to 
Vietnam because they needed that reserve force ready to go if it was required. Yeah. Yeah. So just while we're on that, can you just give us some understanding of how it affected your life and other, you know, CMF Nash shows? You're talking about the uh, the time commitments there, but on a deeper personal level, what sort of bearing did it have on your life? Oh, huge. Um, I mean, I had this obligation to to attend training on a continuous basis. Uh, at that stage, I'd identified with the free time I was doing. I was jackarooing through the outback and through Northwest Victoria, Southwest New South Wales. Mm. But I knew I had to return to a centralised training depot to do the training, which and I accepted that there was no problem with it. But it impacted on my departure from my employer mm. for a five-week period, six-week period. The fellows that were sons of landowners, and you know, at the age nine, eighteen to twenty, they were very involved in the family farm. I mean, a loss of that person for that period of time. Um, during, you know, perhaps cropping or whatever, was a huge loss yeah. to the elderly parents of those people. Um, but we had that commitment and we, we observed it. Um, so the, it was an impact. It really was. And uh, we were pretty fit um, in those days as young fellas. Mm. It took us away from our community. It took us away from football. It took us away from the fight. It took us away from the community involvement we had as young blokes. Yeah, and um, and that absence has had been very very hard to rekindle when we got back. Yeah, and what were you actually doing? So, you, what was your role? Were you on the farms? Yes, yes, yeah, working working on farms. Whereas uh, there's seasonal activity. You know, there's sheep shearing, there's sheep marking, there's cropping, there's uh, cultivation, there's truck driving, there's all those things which are very seasonal. Yeah, and it just so happens that a lot of the times that we were, were needed to be not there was when we were needed most. Mm. Um, and it was, it, was, it, was a, it was very impactive. I mean, we put our hand up in many respects to go, um, but the, the impact on us and, uh, was such that it, it was very telling on the community because we weren't there. Yeah. Yeah. So there was this host of other, you know, financial implications of that decision to send you away, all of which you had no control over. Now, Sapper, I hear that you went on to have a pretty successful career in the army. Is that right? I did. I did. I finished my, uh, our commitment of six years was cut back to five Mm. because of cessation of conscription in 1972. And because I, I mean, I really do. I, I enjoyed it. Um, what I did, I learnt a lot. I, I learnt to stand on my own two feet. Mm. Uh, I learnt discipline, uh, esprit de corps, uh, what it was to work with other fellas, uh, likewise. And when I came out of that, I elected to continue on in the military down here in Tasmania. Yeah. As I said, they said, what happened when you left the, uh, the National Service Obligation? I said, I joined the SAS. I said, SAS? No, I said, yes, Saturdays and Sundays. <laughs> so you get your time back again. <laughs> Anyhow, I continued on to 1991. Yeah. I, um, I uh, became uh, a warrant officer class two uh, through a promotion course. At one stage, I was the most senior warrant officer class two A res in the state. Yeah. Uh, I, my dad was the foundation member of the Lindisfarne uh, RSL in 1946. And in 1982, I was elected as president, and I was the first person still serving in the Defence Force 
wearing a uniform to be a president of an RSL in Australia. Fair dinkum, really? Yes. And I ran the wow. uh, uh, Lindisfarne Parade there for 46 years, Yeah. Uh, which was a great assembly of people and school kiddies and scouts, and you can, you can imagine. And um, we had a farm at uh, uh, east of Hobart, and we got droughted out of there and uh, three years ago, and we moved up to Wynyard, yeah. the northwest, where the grass is green, the rivers are flowing, and it rains every now and then. <laughs> so what I'm sensing... I enjoyed my military career. I, yeah. I, there yeah. would be a day go by, really, that I would not recall on something I learned in the Army, whether it's a, an appreciation of a task, whether it's a, a, a communication with someone, uh, whether it's making a decision on what I've got to do, I had, a, a, had an incredible mentorship in the army with some of our senior instructors, and I I learned a lot. And in 1985, I met my wife through a military uh, uh, posting that I had. Yeah. And uh, believe it or not, we're still together. And give her a shout out. What's her name? Her name is Virginia. Yeah, she's she's within earshot. I'm sitting outside of the, of the farmhouse at the moment with a. Uh, Water feature fountain going in the background, which you may hear. Yeah. But anyhow, so, no, uh, you know, I mean, I'm 75 now. I'm uh, suffering with arthritis and uh, a few other ailments that that were born about my time in this military system. And that's been recognised through the DVA and I'm uh, now just pending um, a, uh, an outcome of that. Yeah, so I just want to circle back to something you said before there, Sapper. So this decision of yours to kick on with the army for that extra, oh, for the rest of your career, really, was that, in a way, do you think you felt this sense of helplessness that you wouldn't have had anything else outside of the army once that six years with CMF was up? Like, did you have any other you know, ambitions to go off and do other things in the world? Or did you just feel so confined to the army now that that's all you knew? Well, it wasn't all I knew because I, I still had an incredible uh, ability to become involved in community. I mean, I joined the Rotary. Um, I was president of the Sorrell RSL Club down south before I moved up here for two years. Mm. I got very involved in community. But I felt that the Army gave me an opportunity for me to be who I am. Oh, interesting. And I felt that I had a moral obligation to pay back what I'd learnt mm. uh, and give others the benefit of my experience in leadership particularly um, and get involved in community. My dear old dad said to me some time ago, he said, you know, son, 97% of the people you get involved with in your community will be negative. Mm. I said, how's that, dad? He said, you'll have a best mate. You've got an idea you've got. He knows nothing about it and he'll tell you it won't work. Yeah. He said, get involved in the community. Find that 3%. So I did. You know, and of course, we came out of the army. Yeah. And I've got a very, very particular friend of mine that I communicate with every week, and I haven't done since 1967, right? And I call him my mate. And Dad said, you know, mate, yeah. He said, don't use it loosely. He said, your mate is that person you can ring up at 3 o'clock in the morning, you've got a problem, and he'll listen to you. Mm. And he said, you can count those people on one hand with three fingers missing. It's so true, isn't it? I've never forgotten it, No. And, of course, MATE is an acronym um, that we have accepted that came from the trenches in Gallipoli, which means meet at the end. Mm. So that's, that's the... That's the uh, what etymology the, of it, yeah. As you understand is you call someone your mate, then... yeah, we, we use, I think we use it, Aidan, a little bit loosely, 
But when it comes, push comes to shove, your mate is that very, very special person. They're the ones you lean on. Oh, you do, mate. And we yeah. lean on each other, you know. I've just been to Queenscliff and had a uh, battalion reunion, which we've had every year since 1975. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, there wasn't too many there. It was about 22 of us. But, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an activity that I will never miss. Since the last one, we've lost three of our members. Yeah, and we, we're getting less in number, but it's it's the it's that mateship, that disciplinary responsibility and accountability you had in having someone behind you that was the eyes in your back of your head. Yeah, it's a very important message. And just coming back to the Remembrance Day weekend for a second, there, Sapper. So, I've heard of stories of Nashos who to this very day. And it really pains me to say this, but they're reluctant to come forward and put themselves out there and be proud of what they did. What's your read on that? Like, it just seems like there's a bit of, there's this underlying sense of shame and guilt, which really makes me feel sad. Oh, totally. And so do I. Totally. I mean, when the Second World War fellas came back, there were parades in Hobart, you know, 1946, 47, 48 of the units that came back in uniform or wearing headdress and paraded down the street. Mm. And when the Vietnam fellows came back, they said, oh, where have you been? Oh, I've been to Vietnam. Oh, okay, well, look, you, you're going to start work again on Monday. There, there was no recognition. There was not an acceptance. Uh, there was an incredible amount of um, rejection that these fellows went over there, perhaps in a war that we probably shouldn't have been involved in, but uh, anyhow, we were, um, and they, you know, we we lost lives, and then they did the best they could, but they weren't accepted through the RSL movement, and that was very, very sad. In 1987, there was a recognition of the return of these people, yeah. And as president of the RSL at Lindisfarne, we had a great night, but you know, they carry a legacy of rejection, which was it's 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 wrong, Aiden. It was absolutely wrong. These fellows went away to war mm. in uniform, and they did their absolute best. And they came back and they weren't recognized. Mm. Yeah. I like that that phrase of yours, the legacy of rejection. And it's something that features heavily in the people that I speak to, the other NAS shows. So what would be your message to people or to other NAS shows who might be listening to this now and just feeling really down about themselves as we approach um, you know, Rem- Remembrance Day? I think the most important thing that they can do is stick together. Keep in touch with each other. Find that point of difference that you've got with those mates that you may not have even seen in Vietnam, but you were over there together and, and, and build that relationship, which is so, so important mm. because of the legacy that they are now carrying, you know, don't call up a holodog, be proud of the medals you got, be proud of what you did, um, stick together. This is what we're doing with Nashos Fair Go. We're trying to get this, uh, element of Australia it's a national body and have these fellas get together and tell old stories and I don't know blow up a few tanks or something, you know <laughs> what I mean but get together and this is what we're hoping to do I'm going to meet people at Campbelltown on uh, Saturday that I probably haven't seen for 40 years mm. you know and that's that's what's important in our in our ailing medical health circumstance Let's hope we can put a smile. There'll be some tears. There'll be a lot of laughter. But let's hope that, that these people can understand that they're not on their own. We are together. And we need to build that, uh, not trust, but that, that relationship 
in our in our final years, um, build that relationship to know that yes, there is a mate out there, there is someone that will listen. And I think the most important part of the communication we've got to take, Aiden, is listening. Because we were born with one mouth and two ears. We were born with the responsibility to listen mm. twice more than what we're spared, prepared to say. Listen to these blokes. Let's hear their story. You mm. know? Um, because they're finding it very difficult to tell that story to the people around them because they're not interested. They're not They're not really. And, and a lot of these fellows, too, aren't necessarily... Um, uh, forward in in departing the information they had whilst they were away because it was a it was it was, it was a sad a sad sad time yeah and it really was but let's hope through Nasho's fair go and whatever else we can do something to try and in the eve of our uh, I wouldn't say retirement because that's happened but in the eve of our uh, long involved life. Yeah, uh, let us get together and, and share some stuff and be mates. You know, I think it's a brilliant thing, and it gives Remembrance Day a new purpose. And I wouldn't go as far as saying it's hijacking it; that's the wrong word. But it's giving an extra value benefit to the day, and I think that's a really important thing. And this model that you've adopted with Campbelltown, do you think that it can be adapted and worked for other regions across Australia, out in the regions that where perhaps Remembrance Day has fallen by the wayside in recent times, whether it's because of ageing population or people are too busy. Um, what do you think about that? Uh, very much so. I think we members, one of the most exciting things that I've been witness to over the years with Anzac Day, not so much Long Tan Day or Vietnam Veterans Day, but Remembrance Day, is the involvement of the school children the involvement of our young community. Mm. They're getting involved in this stuff. They're getting involved. They're doing curricular activities at school around these times in projects about remembrance, you know, the poppy, uh, the Flanders fields and all that sort of thing, you know. And so much so that on this Saturday, after the service is finished, there was a fellow by the name of Lewis McGee Mm. who was a Victoria Cross recipient and was killed at war. Now, his grandson, I think was a bloke I knew when I lived down there, Graham McGee, they present a medallion mm. in recognition of Lewis's service. Oh, beautiful. To one of the high school students at the high school. You know, and, and I've seen it, even then when I was at Surreal, I would run open days there for the school children to come on and learn about why the slouch had us turned up on one side. Why this? Why mm. Why the RSL movement was so important for these fellows to come back and share a common lounge room, you know, over a couple of beers or whatever, and and have that communal gathering mm. uh, at their local club. But financially, of course, it's been very difficult for these to uh, maintain existence because the full membership, you know, I mean, we're, we've virtually got no World War II veterans left now. Yeah. And the next veteran group uh, is Vietnam, and then we've got Afghanistan and Iran and all that sort of thing on. But you know the RSL element. We need to we need to keep it alive and involving the younger ones to come in and learn why it is they've got the freedom they've got. Yeah. And who paid the sacrifice is so important. Aiden. It really is. Couldn't couldn't agree more. And what strikes me is you know Campbelltown. I was looking at the demographics of it today. So on the ABS. It says here that the median age for the town sitting at about 50. So in the last 20 years or so, have you noticed a lull in the um, uptake of Remembrance Day? Yes, yes. I remember when I went to school um, way back, 
Remembrance Day would be we'd catch a tram from school into Hobart and I'd catch the remote bus to take us out and I had a three-mile walk to the farm after that. But at 11 o'clock, the trams would stop. The fellows in the street would walk to the footpath, take their hats off, mm. right, and there'd be a silence. That doesn't happen now. That doesn't happen. Mm. I pull up on the side of the road at 11 o'clock, uh, if it remembers day as such, and I observe the silence. Um, not everyone does. I, I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't think we're really good in really promoting what sacrifice was made at that time to give us what we've got today. Yeah. I really don't. Um, I'm not saying that it's not a glorification. It's just a recognition of the effort that so many people put in um, for perhaps the freedom we've got yeah. at the moment, Aidan. Um, yeah, without, without what's all going on in the world at the moment, that was a very significant part of the development of Australia. Well, you know, it's great news that these schools are coming on board and the, the young kiddies, they have something to aspire to now through that medal that's being presented to them. So how many veterans are you expecting to come out and servicemen and how far away are these servicemen coming from? Well, fortunately, Tasmania's not all that big. Um, uh, they're coming up from Hobart, which is about an hour and 20 minute trip. Yeah. Um, I'm coming down from the northwest coast, picking Jeff up at the airport. That'll be about a, to Campbelltown, about three and a half hours. Oh no, uh, three hours. Um, people coming down from Launceston because it's geographically it's quite central. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that for our attendance and everyone else's attendance, we'll give incredible support to the effort that the Anzac Group at Campbelltown is putting into boosting the. Uh, commemoration service and I'd like to think that next year it'll be bigger and, we, and we, we'll continue. Peter Evans is totally committed to what he's doing with his uh, group of people around him Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it, it's you know, full marks to Pete I mean he, he didn't have to do it but he decided that it was something that the town needed because a lot of our First World War people trained at a property called Mona Vale which was about seven miles uh, what's that in English? Well, that is English. So 15 kilometers <laughs> south of Campbelltown. And that's where they trained before they went to the Gallipoli. Yeah. So there's a lot of ancestral um, ambience around the Campbelltown environment um, for the purpose of having this centralised activity there on a regular basis. And so we're very proud um, to be able to give the support that we can. I'm hoping... I don't know, Aiden, it's, it's going to be a bit of hit and miss because a lot of fellas have their own regional commitments on Remembrance Day. Yeah. But I'm hoping we might get, I don't know, 60 to 80 people there uh, from the Nashos Fair Go and other people, um, you know, and boost the uh, the local turnout, which might be, I don't know, 20 or 30 people and, and make a day of it, you know. I just love that. You know, all of these people coming from Australia, and one that we didn't mention before was the fact you have Nashos coming from interstate, coming from Queensland, and I hope that more people like Jeff will come from Victoria and support. But it's it's um it's quite amazing to think that. So on 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 average, do you get about thirty people? That did you say? Yeah, well, that's but, what people saying about twenty or thirty people. Yeah, and then suddenly you're you're more than doubling it. Yeah, which is amazing. 
the community's really responded. They're making available to us the Bowls Club, which has a bar in it, but it's also got under-roof accommodation in the event of, of uh, bad weather. Yeah. But not only that, it provides a, a uh, environment where everyone can collect and, uh, you know, shake hands and tell old stories and whatever it may be. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think it's, it's, it's the launch, I think, of something that will grow, really will grow. Yeah, it's a recovery story. You're, you're basically reviving this um, this tradition in this small town where for so many years it's not had, it's not been as, it's not been flourishing like it should be. No, no. Um, and it, it, if it hadn't been for the efforts of Peter and his committee um, and the fact that I know Peter, I knew his father and his grandfather and uh, I spoke with him about it. And I thought, well, why not? What an incredible opportunity to give support to this rural community. I mean, I, I lived there for eight years. It's the longest time I've lived in anyone's place in my life Yeah, and, and worked with the Department of Agriculture at that time. And I thought, what better venue could there be than at the Cenotaph at the footy ground at Campbelltown? Yeah, isn't that great? Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic, mate. It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. It sort of reminds me a bit of um the, the good old Big Red Bashes that they do up here in Queensland in the middle of Birdsville where... You have these world-class music acts descending upon this town in the middle of nowhere for one day. It revives the local economy in a different way. That's what's happening here with Remembrance Day. You have all of these people just coming in just for the one event and rebuilding this tradition from the ground up, which is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, as I said before, it's not a not a day of... of uh, it's a day of memory, of course, but it's a day of fellowship. Yeah. It's a day of, of an ancestry that we all have back to times of conflict, but we can now be proud that we are part of that memory and part of that commemoration of the effort that those fellows that turned their faces to the West so many years ago and passed to the great beyond, we need to give thanks. Well said. And before I let you go there, Sapper, I hear that you have a pretty special role on the day, that you're reading the ode. So just what, what does that mean to you? To me, it's incredibly important. Um, the ode uh, is a very special mark of the recognition of people that made that commitment. And I've got a verse or two which is a precursor to the ode, and then you say the ode. After the ode, there's a, le- a minute silence, and we're wanting to coincide that silence with 11 o'clock, which is the 11th hour of the 11th, the 11th, hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. And hopefully with with Peter's run sheet and his uh, choreography, that will happen. And then at the end of the service, I, I will finish with a uh, another poem from me, another verse from Mary Gilmore, and then that's the end of the service. So yes, I'll be uh, I'll be reciting the ode. And lastly, Sapa, are you sort of? Do you have any idea of how many Nashos are making the trip from interstate? No, I don't. It'll be. Uh, we're not asking for attendance numbers. It's just we just want people to register when they turn up. I don't know, Aiden. I really don't know, mate. I mean, a lot of those fellows will have their ancestral commitments in their regional areas. Yeah. Um, but uh, we may not get so many this year, but hopefully next year we will. It's the start of something special there, um, Sapper, and I really appreciate your time today. I'm just so thankful that you've taken the time to to join us. That's all right, Aiden. Thank you so much for your interest, mate, and um, no doubt you'll learn how it all went. 
Thank you very much, Aiden. And all the best for this weekend. Thank you. Bye-bye. So there he is. That was Sapper Dennis Turner, the Secretary of Nash Show Fair Go, the Association's North Tassie organiser. Fascinating insights there from, from the Sapper. And something that just stood out to me about this whole initiative is the potential that it has to transform other other areas around Australia, what they're doing there. I'm really excited to see how this grows over the years. So some very powerful insights there from Sapper Turner, and I look forward to following their progress. And I'm very much eager to see what the turnout is like, bearing in mind that they usually only get 20 to 30 people in the town out of, out of about a population of 850. 30 of them show up to this little space to commemorate Remembrance Day. So they're more than doubling that on Saturday when you have all of these people coming from interstate to to visit and to pay their respects and also to look forward to the future. And I thought it was great also that they're bringing in a veterans advocate and using it as a way to also help veterans and help national servicemen who may be struggling with some of their claims that they're having at the moment with the Department for Veterans Affairs. So I thought that's just such a brilliant initiative that the guys at Campbelltown are doing. And a big shout out to Peter Evans from the Anzac Day Planning Committee in Tasmania for pulling this together. It's a most important service that he and his colleagues are doing for the community. Well, that's about all we've got time for today on The Men Australia Forgot. Thanks so much for your time. You can email me. I'd love to hear your story. So just drop us a line anytime at themenaustraliaforgot at gmail.com. That's one word, themenaustraliaforgot at gmail.com. And I look forward to catching up with you soon. Thanks again for your time. Bye-bye.